0: Hi hey there. Welcome. and Thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. Today, we're still in Mark, and you'll notice if you were here last week or you, uh, with the scripture from last week that it comes right off the hills. He, the right off the heels, off the hills too, are alive with the sound of music. Yes. Um, so the um, all, off the heels of last week's scripture about Jesus casting out the demons. So as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And then the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they then brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed by demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, He got up, and he went to a deserted place, and there he prayed, and Simon, his companions, hunted for him. When they found him, they said, everyone's searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I've come to do. And he went throughout all of Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be, Thanks be to God. God. So I'm going to show you this quote. I wonder if you've ever heard it before. Preach the gospel. Use words if necessary. People attribute it to St. Francis of Assisi. Um, So most of you have heard it, or some version of it. Um, I think it's now become kind of larger than life, and I'm not sure if um, St. Francis actually said it. Um, First of all, there's no evidence that St. Francis ever said it. Um, But I'm sure that if he did say it, he almost certainly did not believe what we have made it out to be. While while St. Francis thought that the lives that we live, the light that we do, matters, he almost certainly believed also that words, the light that we actually speak from our mouth, also matters. We have to use our words, not just our actions, right? And so um, this has come, taken a life of its own. Throughout this season, we have been really focusing on, feasting on what it means for that light that is in us to shine, talking about the value to our faith and to our life and to the lives of others of invitation for the church. And for the future of the church, whatever church we want that church to look like. Think about it for a second. We started a new church here at Kingstown seven and a half years ago. We started this new church. And we, we started it saying that we wanted, we were aiming to be invitational for, for the people who had been previously hurt by the church. Invitational to all kinds of people. On a whole spectrum of doubting all the way to the kinds of people that are very assured in their faith. But we wanted it to be a space where they all felt like they could come and not feel othered. People longing for the church to be courageous and creative and collaborative in a way that maybe the church is not always in this world. And so we started this series talking a little about this idea of what it means to be a witness or Jesus, what Jesus meant by it. You're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the earth. We talked about what it means for that as we engage with Jesus' story and as we unpack our own story in light of Jesus' story and what it means to put our faith on the line when the, the rubber of our values meets the road of our world, Right? And then this week, I want us to move on to why I think it's so important for the church, for us, that we get a little bit, a little bit, even just an ounce more would be fine, um, a little bit more public about our faith instead of keeping it so internal and personal. If we could become just a little bit more external and public about it. And so today I want to talk about the root of this kind of church word, evangelism, this church curse word, and how the role of, of sharing our faith with each other. And I think actually it begins in this space, kind of like watching out for each other and how each other are experiencing um, God in this space, and how to be present for each other even, how to, to move on over on a seat when someone seems to have a tear roll down their cheek and to be a person at that moment to um, maybe get up and get a tissue and say, um, sounds like you were going through something. And instead of just being the person five seats down, that's not engaging. Like, this looks like you're going through, like how are you, what, what about today made you feel this? What is that about your faith? Um, it starts there and then how it kind of overflows into all those other spaces of our lives how speaking our faith um, can play this profound role in someone else's discovering of faith for themselves. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the responsibility of this and the role that we play in this grand story. And so before we get to our scripture for today, I want us to look at another scripture. Um, And this one is with Paul um, in the early church. A lot of you know who Paul is. A lot of you, some of you don't know who Paul is. Mainly Paul is this, Um, early church evangelist who had this passion for inviting people to follow Jesus because he had had this significant experience of Jesus himself. He's known for having started churches all over the Roman Empire, but pretty soon after, Paul knew that there was also this challenge this deep challenge paul on the other hand believed that jesus had he had shattered all the barriers that kept people apart that jesus welcomed everyone he believed that and that there was this huge empire full of diverse and different people living in all these different areas speaking all these different languages and jesus and that jesus welcomed all of these people and paul knew Paul had this reality that, like, how were all of these people ever going to be invited into a life of faith? If it's for everyone, my job just got so much harder. I don't have the capacity. How are all of these people now that are invited into this story ever going to hear of this? If Jesus welcomes everybody, but, like, how are people going to know that? There was only one Paul. And there was this huge empire. And so in one of his letters to the Romans, he actually talks about this like realization that he has. That it's only one of me. And all God, you just, made, you just cracked this story wide open and made this list of people I'm supposed to reach so much larger and how am I going to do that? And so let's look at it together. For now there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how in the world are they to call on one whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. <coughs> Before we get to what I think this means for us, I, um, let's talk about what Paul is actually saying here first. I, I don't know... I don't know if you caught it here, but he he starts with this sort of sentiment, this promise, this belief. He says there's no distinction anymore between Jew and Greek. Which means there are no barriers anymore between who can be religious and who can't be religious. Everyone is therefore religious. Religious means, the root word of religious is ligament. It's what holds things together. Everyone has some way that they hold their worldview and their life together. What will yours be? There is no barrier anymore to who can be religious and who can't. It's not only for Jewish people. It's or it's not only for Greek people. He said this is for everybody, and so he says that the same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on Him. And in other words, this is. This is a faith, faith where everyone is welcome, and that's, like, that's the bedrock of what we believe at Kingstown, that Jesus is Lord of all, is generous to anyone who reaches out and calls on his name. This is a movement for anyone, anywhere, at any time. Is, they're all welcome to be a part of it, and that is a really cool thing to say to a world that desperately needs it. It's really, really pretty amazing. There's no other place where all are welcome. But then he gets to the challenge part. And this is the biggest challenge for us. He says, but but you know how? How are people ever going to know that? How are they to call on the one's name if they have not come to a place of believing in it? And how are they to believe in it if they have not heard it? And how are they to hear it if someone has not told them it? And how are they to proclaim unless there's people who are sent out to do it. It's one thing to say, everybody's welcome. But how would they ever know? Especially people who've been told for a whole long time and have internalized it in themselves that maybe they don't belong in church, that religion is not for them, that they don't that, that church has nothing to offer them or church is boring and stuffy, or whatever group of people they may fall into, how are they ever going to know? And we say Jesus is significant, but how will they know if someone didn't ever tell them? And now we live in a world where there's steeples on every corner, right? But Sam told me a story recently that she had a friend who asked her if she could go to church with her one Wednesday night at a Methodist church out in Reston because she said, I didn't know I was allowed to just walk in there. I thought I had to be invited. You know, people drive by steeples every day and think, I'm not allowed to go in there. It must be some closed community. I must only be able to go if I'm invited. How would they ever be told if there wasn't someone willing to tell them? And how is anyone ever going to tell unless some of the people who have actually had their own experience are sent out to do it, to share the light that's been nestled inside of them? And that's when Paul begins to kind of hint at the solution here. Um, And he he ends it by saying, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who actually bring the news?" then How is anybody going to tell them? How's anyone ever going to know? To actually be the people who offer this invitation. And then Paul says, but how beautiful are those who already know the meaning of this story, who actually go out and be the bearers of that good news in the lives of others. And that'll never happen, People will never know that. They're welcome. People will never know, will never experience this powerful faith for their own if there's not anyone willing to invite them. And then Paul just leaves that question with the congregation in Rome, like I'm kind of lumping it on you right now. How will they know? And you know, going back to that St. Francis quote, you don't have to put it up, but I really do understand the sentiment of it. I do I understand it. I mean, after all, it is the core, it's core, there's truth to it. You know, preach the gospel. Use words when necessary that that the way we live our lives matters as much as what we say. The people don't care about what we say if we aren't actually willing to have our lives match what we say, that the way we live really can be an inspiration to other people. All of that is beautifully true, wonderfully true. But so often people put meaning to this quote that says... See, I'm just it's really just not my responsibility. I was trying to just live a good life. Going to church is part of that. I don't really need to say anything about all of this. People just, you know, pick it up off of my aura. Um, But when we get to Paul, we realize that faith is not an either or thing. It is about how we live, but it's often also about, about what we're willing to say. Paul reminds us of, of something that, we should, that should just be so obvious to us, so obvious people are never going to know about the power of Jesus. People are never going to go, know about the welcome of Jesus until we say it. Who's ever going to tell them except the people that are actually here and who know it and who have experienced it? And I know often you think, but I don't, I don't really even know what all I believe about it. What a beautiful thing that is. You know, do you know for the rest of the world out there how unbelievably magnetic invitation from a person who has deep doubt is? It's what people want. (laughs) People want invitation from doubting people. You know how attractive that is to the people in the places that you live and work and play to know that you're a person who is religious or of faith or spiritual, whatever one you want to say, and that you doubt it significant period of the time, but you're still committed to the faith? Like, that's what people want. There are certain people who will never hear the invitation of faith unless you tell them, and that's what they want to hear. And this is hard, I know, because in part, we have a very different understanding, I think, of religion, especially now in our country, um, for a couple of reasons. Like, church in our our country, we we have this understanding of churches from our, in part, our disgust of how the church and Christianity has been co-opted to politically exclude or to shame people and all of that. But also, because of the consumeristic culture, that's kind of of our, of our world that has entered into the church, that because of all those clinging symbols in the world, all the things that people are saying that is not the church and our disengagement from it, um, us, the you know, Evangelion of believers, the good news bearers of believers, we have just come to see ourselves as customers, consumers of religion that's what we do we just consume it it's for us and we go to church and we participate in the ministries and we like to be there when when we want to do something but there are professionals those professionals who work for the church and they're the ones who actually do the ministry right and so this carries right over into our invitation when it comes to inviting someone else we that's really the job of the pastor or someone who works for the church, right? That's that's what they do. It's certainly not the responsibility of someone like me. But here's the challenge. Oh, here's the challenge with that approach. Um, and this is where we get to our scripture from today. I don't know if you heard it uh, in Mark. Let's let's take one last look at it. Um, as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house there, and, and Jesus you know, healed her and lifted her up. And that evening, he cured many who were sick, and he, um, he you know, cast out demons from more people. And then we get this part. After he does all this, um, actually go back, because I think there's a core line that's really important there. Um, it says, and the whole city was gathered at the door now because of this. The whole city's gathered at the door waiting to hear what's next. Like, what is Jesus going to do next? Oh, my gosh, the news of this has spread throughout the town. And then we get to the next part. And in the morning, Jesus now is exhausted. He's done all the work. He's cast out some demons, and he's preached some good news, and he's healed people. And then he goes off to pray. And all these people are at the door wanting to know about this more. All the disciples are there, and, and Simon and his companions go hunting for Jesus. When they find him, and they're like, hey, Jesus, everyone's searching for you. Instead of meeting the people at the door, like, and all these people who have heard this good news, who've seen these healings, have, have, have experienced God, they don't share what they just experienced. Instead, they go, I'll be, I'll be right back. I'm going to get the professional. And so they go, and they go find Jesus. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. He's the one that's, it's your turn now, Jesus. This is your job, Jesus. And he answers them. I think the us should be capitalized. All right, let us go <laughs> on to the neighboring towns so that we might proclaim, so that I might proclaim. Because this, I'm, I'm, this is what I was sent to do, is proclaim this message. And then in parentheses, if you read anything else from Jesus, and you will do greater things than me. You will say greater things than I will say. Let's go. Let's all of us go. Here's the problem with this, this sort like let's run and get Jesus kind of thing. Let's leave it to the professional's way of thinking. It's going to leave a whole lot of people out. A whole lot of people. Believe me. <laughs> and like just believe me when I say, trust me when I assure you that pastors don't really have much credibility with people who don't go to church I might be like a little different, but I take the air out of a room faster than anything else. We don't tend to exude that kind of incredibly energetic, magnetic, attractive quality of doubt in the pursuit of God still. We don't exude that. We just we exude assurance. I'm up here preaching, right? But here's the cool thing. Every single one of you have this sphere of people waiting to know of how doubt and faith have intermingled in your life in a way that's real for you. Every single one of you has this circle of influence. And how will they know if you don't tell them? Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. Let's pray. God, we come before you so grateful to be a part of this story still trying to figure out how our story and yours all intermingle and line up together. Um, and it's okay that we haven't figured that out. It's okay that we um, still doubt so much of the time. It's okay that we show up and we go through the movements. In fact, that's what real faith looks like, doing the movements of faith even before we fully even internalized it. And there are so many other people that don't know that that's okay, <laughs> that don't know that they can wrestle, that don't know who they can be, who they are. And there's so many people who have no clue what the church can be because all they've got just deeply, so deeply and set in themselves is whatever they once had. And so God, make us the beautiful feet, the beautiful light that shines and carries this news into the world. If it's not us, then who will it be? We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation,